This is Shane Hurricane Helms. You're listening to another wrestling podcast. And if not, what's up with that? Firefighter. Uh, firefighter? Uh, plumber. Plumber. Um, fast food worker. Fast food worker. Um, electrician? I'm not quite sure where you're going. Um, these are all jobs. And so, that's trying to get us into the theme of today's show, um... Jobbers dot 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 enhancement talent. I like that. The unsung heroes of the professional wrestling world. Yeah, and I mean absolutely necessary in the world of professional wrestling. I think that this should be a multiple part series. Um, you know, today we have none other than Mario Mancini. Uh, an eight-year veteran of the WWF. If you've not heard of this gentleman, you may not be alone, but I guarantee you after you listen to today's interview, you will want to know everything you can about Mario Mancini. And his three-second tans. It's time for Another Wrestling Podcast. With your hosts, Steve Credo and Jonathan Benjamin. Welcome, everybody, to uh, episode number one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Lucky number eight. The Ocho Show. The Ocho Show. Uh, my favorite number for all of you Spanish-speaking listeners out there. Um, this is another wrestling podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Jonathan Benjamin, and with me, as always... Steve Credo, ladies and gentlemen, right here, in the flesh, coming to you via the airwaves. So, if you're listening to us today, uh, we would like to thank you, first of all. And for those of you who have friends family, whoever you want to share this with, you can, obviously, there's many ways to find us. Uh, You can Google us. uh, You can get on Facebook and like our page at, uh, it's www.facebook.com slash another wrestling podcast. If you have Twitter, you can follow us at At a wrestling pod. That's a wrestling P-O-D. We are on iTunes. We are on Stitcher. Uh, Podbean is the platform in which it sends it out into the magical world of the airwaves. Um, if you are looking for other things and you just can't get enough of us, you can go to www.marksforlife.net. That is www.marksforlife.net. That's right, Jonathan. And uh, hey, we're talking about jobbers. We're talking about enhancement talent. Uh, the three-second tan. Jonathan, we have none other than Mario Mancini joining us today. He's the 2014 New England Pro Wrestling Hall of Famer. And if you guys want to check out more about that, they are also our sponsor for today, the New England Pro Wrestling Hall of Fame. You can check them out at newenglandfanfest.com. 
Com. Uh, we I was just recently there in Rhode Island, and I witnessed their 2014 Hall of Fame, and I was there for Mario Mancini's induction speech along with Harley Race, Ron Zombie, and countless others, uh, Jonathan. A lot of great guys out there. Uh, but we are about to be graced by the presence of none other than Mario Mancini in a few minutes. And for you guys out there who don't know who Mario is, take to Google. Google Undertaker versus Mario Mancini. That was The Undertaker's first match, was against The Undertaker, uh, Mario Mancini versus The Undertaker. Uh, it's on YouTube. Check him out. Now, Jonathan, he's what everybody calls a jobber, calls enhancement talent. We asked him about this. Uh, it's a great interview. It's uh, I don't know what else to say about this, Jonathan, right? We, we get right into it. We ask him a lot of questions, and we barely scratch the surface, as you will see and hear in a few minutes. Yeah, and you know what? Um, contrary to popular belief, he is not Luigi's brother. Um, it's just Mario Mancini today. But, you know, hopefully we can get a lot of these uh, so-called, you know, I think you, you said it the best, the unsung heroes of professional wrestling. These guys all have stories. You saw them on TV. Um, you know, and let's just not forget that some jobbers, if you want to call them that, um, turned out to be huge names, and I go none other than the person who was on our podcast last week, Matt Hardy. If you look back at whenever they first started in the business, they looked like yeah. they, you know, and they are open and honest about it. They came out, and no one expected them to make it, and look what they did. They defied the odds, and, and you know, I'm sure that that's not the only story that, you know, success story from going from, you know, jobber to, to pro wrestler. Um, so... You should definitely check out this interview, listen to Mario, and get ready for possibly a, a couple other part series from, from Mario. He has lots to say. All right, Jonathan, joining us right now is none other than 2014 New England Pro Wrestling Hall of Famer Mario Mancini. Mario, thanks for joining us. It's a pleasure to be on the show. Thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks. Uh, Mario, tell us tell us a little bit about, uh, I mean, you're, you're a brand new Hall of Famer into the New England Pro Wrestling Hall of Fame. Uh, tell us a little bit about how that uh, came about. I mean, working with Joseph Bruin and uh, his uh, organization, uh, even you can find out uh, more about Joseph Bruin and the New England uh, Hall of Fame is uh, NewEnglandFanFest.com. But uh, tell us a little bit more about how this came about. Well, you know, Joe Bruin runs a, a, a top-notch um, outfit there in the New England Pro Wrestling Hall of Fame, and, and I'm so thankful to him for um, thinking of me and remembering me and, and investing me into his Hall of Fame. It's, I'm still kind of reeling from it because, you know, 30 years ago, in July 31st, it'll be 30 years ago that I turned pro, you know, while I was sitting in the dressing room when I was 18, if somebody came up to me and said, you, you know, in 30 years from now, you're going to be inducted into a, 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 to a Hall of Fame in the same class of Harley Race, I'd say, you, you, you've got to be out of your mind. So um, it was really special for me. Um, it was one of the most special moments of my life. So I, I really thank Joe Bruin and the New England Pro Wrestling Hall of Fame. I'm, I'm proud to be uh, a member of, of that Hall of Fame. And as I told Joe Bruin, you know, I'm not just one of those guys that, you know, will, you know, take the plaque and, you know, toss it on a counter somewhere and say, yeah, that's good. I fully intend to represent the New England Pro Wrestling Hall of Fame 
um, as a professional wrestler with, you know, class and dignity and, and, um, you know, be a good representative of Joe Bruins organization. Um, the way it came about was kind of, I was just kind of sitting there minding my own business and, uh, you know, Joe called me last year, and he, he got my name from uh, Mike, the Fog Man of Vittable, and he said, listen, uh, I'm Joe Brown, and, and I want you to come to do a Fan Fest. I'll, I'll, give you, I'll give you a free table and, uh, you know, come and sign autographs. And I said, well, I'm really not interested, you know? Yeah. Uh, no, thanks. And he said, well, he just kind of laughed, and he said, well, well, why? I said, well, you know. Nobody wants to come and see me. I mean, why? Why do they want to come and see me? They they want to come and see, you know, Tony Atlas and you know Greg Valentine and Tito Santana. You know, they don't want to see me. He said, "No, you're wrong. They want to. They want to come and see you." And um, he said, "I have somebody coming all the way from Japan just to see you." Um, and sadly, that that was uh, that was shoe, and um, I got the no shoe. Uh, in these past two fan fests and um, he was an unbelievable human being and the kindest man you ever wanted to meet and uh, just devastated that he he had a heart attack shortly returning from the fan fest this year and he's passed away um, it, it was shocking it was shocking to all of us that's how much he meant to all of us there um, all the wrestlers there at the fan fest yeah. um, it, it's a shame but I, you know, I didn't believe him, and um, I felt obligated to go because he told me somebody was coming all the way from Japan to see me. So, yeah. um, I, I went, and and lo and behold, you know, I, I ended up having the time of my life, and, and uh, I really, I really had a great thing. And, and um, Joe would come up to me, and and he said, "Listen." Um, I want to induct you into the Hall of Fame next year. And I was just kind of blown away. And um, he said, thank you very much. You know, sure. And um, came up in, in, you know, a couple days after last year's fan fest, he posted on on his website, the first inductee into the 2014 Hall of Fame is Mario Mancini he had a picture up there and I just kind of stared at it for a few days. <laughs> and, um, you know, I got, I kind of got choked up this year because he did announce the first inductee into the 2015 hall of fame. And I said, you know, it was me last year, you know, and, um, you know, Joe Bruin's just a great guy. And we, the respect he has for the business, how he treats the guys, um, is unbelievable. He, you know, Joe Bruin has treated me like Hulk Hogan, you know? <laughs> so it, it, it has been really good feeling. I've, I've got nothing but respect from the people at the New England Pro, Pro Wrestling Hall of Fame, everybody involved in it and the other wrestlers, um, involved in it. And it, it really is a classy organization and, um, spoke with Joe because he runs something impeccably like Vince does. It's incredibly organized. It's very professional. And, um, you know, he, he, he's really good at what he does, um, with, with, with the hall of fame. And I'm eagerly waiting for him to announce the location of the the 2015 hall of fame. And, uh, I know he let a couple names go, uh, on his website, but I'm waiting to hear the full, the full lineup of who's going to be inducted into the hall of fame next year. And, um, 
I'm looking forward to it. I got spoiled this year because I had a, v, I had a VIP dinner um, on Friday night, and uh, you know, I, I lost part. I lost my voice with the guys in there. And, and then the next day was the fan fest, and then I had a question and answer session. And again, as I sat up on that question and answer session, you know, I was sitting next to Tito Santana, and he was sitting next to Harley Race, and all I did was, you know, I I, I just went back to 1980 while I was sitting on the floor and I looked at my family and I said, I'm going to be a professional wrestler. And I went back to that day when I was 14 years old. And then I looked to the left and to the right of me. And I'm like, you know, I'm really not sitting up here. here." So, um, I'm very fortunate. I'm lucky because most people sit in their chair in the dreams and they wonder what, and, 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 you know, they, all they do is dream and sometimes they get depressed about it and, and say, what if, but I was fortunate enough to live my dream to, you know, to say that I was going to be a pro wrestler, not only a pro wrestler, but a pro wrestler for the WWF. And, you know, on that hard day on July 31st, when there were so many people there that they could have picked, they picked me and, and I was fortunate and, you know, um, you know, my full dream was to be the next Bruno San Martino, but that didn't happen. But I'm happy with what I got. Yeah. <laughs> happy with what I got, you know? <laughs> yeah, man, definitely. So. Like, I mean, I, this was my first time ever at the New, uh, New England Pro Wrestling Hall of Fame, and uh, I was blown yeah. away by it all. I mean, just the fan fest and then the Hall of Fame itself. I mean, I loved your your uh, your speech. It moved me. I loved it. I mean, you even brought up uh, a pair of your trunks and boots to get Joe – uh, to get a building, we got to get a building now for the New England, uh, you know, Pro Wrestling Hall of Fame because that that'll be something great to see. Um, and just you know, having you on today is is more of an honor just to talk to you a little bit about uh, wrestling and you know just the the thing that we love the most, pretty much, right, Jonathan? Yeah, absolutely. And you know, for those fans that are listening today, that you know, maybe you're younger or you've just got into professional wrestling, you know. Um, you know, Mario, can you please kind of just you, – you started to tell us, but can you tell us kind of how you broke into the business? Well, I um, – like I said, I, I decided at the age of 14 that I wanted to be a professional wrestler, and it really didn't become um, an absolute reality until I was at the New England Coliseum. And, uh, you know, I know – I knew I wanted to do it, and I was 16 years old, and – uh, I went to the, the matches in the Coliseum every month. And um, I was fortunate to um, get floor seats. Not always had second or third floor row on the floor and on the end so I can get up and go to the the steel the steel barricade there and get close enough to yell, <laughs> yell at them, you know, marking out, you know, <laughs> and yell at them. And uh, you know, just sitting there with my mother and father and, and my brother's and my, my, my sister and, uh, you know, a referee, a referee walked in the ring and, and my uh, father stood up and went, Tony, hey, Tony. And he, he actually turned around and he said, Hey, Ralph, Gloria, how you doing? And uh, he had a big smile on his face and leaned over and shook my father's hand. And my father sat down and said, you know that guy? Mm-hmm. And he said, yeah, that's Tony Altamore. Yeah. He's at Stanford. He was a tech champion at Will Albano back in the 60s. We grew up with him. We went to grammar school with him. He said, really? 
So I went back to the Newman Coliseum by myself the next month at about 4.30. And uh, I waited for him. This was in the spring of 83. And I waited for him. And I said, well, hi, Mr. Alcorn, I want to be a professional wrestler. And he said, what's your name? And I told my name. He said, I know your mother and father. Ralph and Glory. I said, that's right. He said, yeah. Grady. I said, I'm just finishing up my junior year. He was good. Finish up your senior year and go to college. Stay away from this business. And I said, no. No, I won't do that. I want to be a wrestler. And he said, you don't want anything to do with this business. I said, yeah, I do. So he walked away from me. So then I went to the Hartford Civic Center. He saw me again. I said, I want to be a wrestler. And he said, no, 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 no. Then I got my license in June. Um, I went to Madison Square. And it took me about four hours to find Madison Square Garden. <laughs> <laughs> because I was 16 and I've never been in New York City before. <laughs> and and I couldn't find the garden, you know, these, all these one-way streets and everything. And I finally found the garden and I got him coming out. And he looked at me and said, geez, kid, you're nuts, huh? He goes, I'll tell you what, come to the New Haven Coliseum next month. So I went to the Coliseum next month and I walked in there and Seth Cohen was there. I ended up going to wrestling school with me also. And A.J. Petrucci, who's one half of the Super Destroyers, he's in a couple of Hall of Fames now. He's um, with the ECW and everything. Um, and this, this this gentleman named Dave Barbie. And uh, I went to the New Haven Coliseum and Seth Cohen was there and he was getting drop kicked off the top rope by Kurt Henning. Mr. Fuji was there. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, you know, they, they, they took me in the ring and, and really, you know, just beat the hell out of me. And to the point where I was bleeding. I mean, Fuji had no mercy on me, you know. And, um, you know, I'm bleeding down my face, my neck, my chest. And, you know, Tony kind of just kind of chuckled. And he said, yeah, you want to be arrested? He goes, you want to come back? Yeah, when do I come back? And he said, oh, Okay. He goes, well, I'm opening up a wrestling school in October, October, Passerola's Quest in Orange, Connecticut. So in October of 83, after a month after I started my senior year, I went to Passerola's Quest. And that's where Seth was and AJ and Dave. And um, I went to wrestling school my entire senior year of high school. Um, yeah, July 31st. Before, um, I went to Poughkeepsie, uh, I did some things in the ring and people were taking notes, names were called out and I was told to go downstairs and see Gorilla Monsoon and send my contract. <laughs> and, um, I went downstairs and saw Gino and signed my contract. I asked if I needed a lawyer. He said, not if you want to sign this contract. I said, okay. <laughs> and, uh, I signed it and... That night, I, I, you know, I worked with Greg Valentine. So, um, the pro wrestling school is the hardest thing anybody will ever do in, in their lives if they, they want to do it. Um, I got to tell you, even if um, you're in the Marine Corps, it just isn't going to cut it. Uh, we've had Marines come in on a Saturday. They didn't show up on a Sunday. 
we we've we've had ex uh pro football semi pro football players come in you know and come in on a Saturday and you didn't see them on a Sunday uh it's grueling it is absolute it's just torture really um if he can get through it you know good for you but um that's that's exactly how i how I got into it um mm-hmm. I was fortunate to know tony altamar um you know, I, you know the 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 key part about it was when I I turned pro. I was 18 years and 39 days old, <laughs> <laughs> and a lot of guys didn't know that. You know, they you know the guys would ask me. You know, <clears throat> Morocco was 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 kind of taken back. He's like, I worked a TV match with him, and he's like, Good kid, good yeah. How old are you? About 22, 23? I go, now I'm 18. And he's like, whoa, holy, wow. That kind of brought back memories for him because, he, you know, he started at the age of 16 himself. So, um, and that's how he started. All right, yeah. I mean, it's great hearing you because we never get to really hear the little bit behind the scenes of what actually happens. And uh, I don't know about you, Jonathan. What do you think? I mean, this is, it's really something to get to know. Like, I mean, we never find out about guys first days or you know how it really all started for them right yeah well what's also also awesome about this is that like a lot of the places that he's that you know you're talking about we've actually watched wrestling at too so it's it's definitely it's really cool for me because i'm not from the northeast originally but now you know i've been in the buildings in poughkeepsie and stuff so it's it's cool because now i know exactly where you're talking about whenever you you bring up the 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 stories right yeah, uh, Mario. Now, I mean, a lot of people would call what you did as enhancement talent. Uh, a lot of people, I mean, even Al Snow originally came up with the, uh, you know, the Job Squad and kind of poked fun of it a little bit. Do you feel what you used to do? I mean, do you feel that it's l- lacking these days? I mean, everybody that wrestles today is pretty much, you know, a big name or whatever, but they don't have like a lot of enhancement talent. Do you feel that's lacking today or tell me a little bit more about how you feel uh, about how it was back then also? You know, I, you know, I, I did, um, I did another show on, geez, last night. I did a show last night and and the same format we're doing it in right now. And, And I, you know, I brought up Barry Horowitz and Barry, was a, was a tremendous wrestler, great worker, um, even a better human being. I mean, he's just a great guy, great guy. And he had, he had an interview and he said, you know, don't call me a jobber. Mm-hmm. Don't call me a jobber. I was enhancement talent. Don't call me a jobber. That's an insult. And it's funny because I think just the opposite. Don't call me enhancement talent. Call me a chopper. You know what I mean? Because, you know, it's funny. Just before you guys called, just before, you know, before you guys called, you know, I was in, and it reminded me again, I was watching and I used Seinfeld as an episode, as an example. I was watching an episode of Seinfeld and they were in a laundry mat and they were having a dispute on whether clothes can be over dried or not, you know? Yeah. And there were three women back there, you know, putting detergent in the in the machine, and they were folding clothes with no line. That's enhancement talent. <laughs> That's 
something to just fluff, fluff up the scene. Listen to me. Don't believe what you see on TV. I was an excellent wrestler. If you saw me in a house show, and you know what? I don't mind bragging about that because there's nothing else in my life I can brag about. <laughs> there's nothing else in my life I did as well as pro wrestling. The first day in October of 1983, when I got into that ring the first day, my whole body relaxed. That ring fit me like a glove. Mm -hmm. And I said to myself, I knew it. I knew it. This is where I belong. This is, this is what God gave me. Mm -hmm. and, and, and people would get aggravated because I was able to leave my feet three feet before hitting the ropes. You know, and they go, geez, how do you, how do, you do that? When Big John Stud hip tossed me, I didn't go around his body. If you freeze frame that, my waist is level with his head. You know, I was an excellent wrestler. I wasn't just an excellent bumper. I was an excellent worker. And, you know, I, I don't consider myself the, 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 the guy with the chef hat wiping the counter down on a Seinfeld episode as they, as they sit at the booth. I don't, I don't, I was the undertaker's debut match. I was King Kong Bundy's debut match. Wow. SD Jones and I were the debut match for the heart foundation. I was big bully Busick's debut match. They needed a stretcher before WrestleMania one. And I was there eight months before WrestleMania one. They needed a stretcher. They looked around the whole, the whole dressing room. Vince McMahon said, Mancini, like the pile driver on the concrete floor against Paul Orndorff. Wow. The next WrestleMania came. He said, will you do it again for me, kid? I said, absolutely. Two avalanches and three splashes by Bundy. <laughs> Another WrestleMania before Savage and Hogan went at it. I did one against Savage. So you know what? Now, I had talent, period. Enhancement, you know, I don't know, but you know, I, I, I'm, I'm okay with, I'm okay with Jobber. I, you know, I'm, awesome. I'm, yeah. as, I'm, as far as I'm concerned, you know, I wasn't, a, I wasn't an extra in, in the WWF. You, you know, there were guys, an extra to me were the guys that brought their bag. They went out there one time. And they were, you know, somewhere out there, there are guys that looked up a match on YouTube and they were, they were a job, an enhancement talent. They were, that was their only match ever with the WWF because they didn't ask him to come back. Mm -hmm. you, you don't call somebody who's was stationary every week on TV for eight years an enhancement talent. Yeah, not to me. Awesome. So we, um, you know, we're you know big listeners of all that's pro wrestling. We watch a lot, and uh, recently I I listened to an interview with Tony DeVito, and um, I'm not 100 percent on this, but I was just we're talking to the man right now, so I figured I'd ask. Did you at one point have your own wrestling school? I did from 1989 to 1992. And, um, before that, you know, <laughs> honestly, Tony Altamar just didn't show up anymore when I was there. If he knew I wasn't on the road and I was going to be there on a Saturday morning, he just wouldn't show up and I would take it for him. And, um, 
Yeah, and I'm I'm gonna I'm opening up another wrestling school. Uh, I'm looking for a building right now. I just purchased a ring, and I'm I'm looking um, for for a space right now with 16 foot ceilings uh, around the New Haven um, uh, North Brantford area. Uh, and this time, I want to do it with my friends, with my very my my very dear friends, and my very dear friends are Paul Roma and um, Dave Paradise. Who, who now goes by the name of Big Steve these days. Um, we all know Paul Roman's history with the WWF and the WCW, the, the two-time tag team champion, and um, one of the four horsemen. Paul Roman, to me, between football, baseball, basketball, hockey, any name any sport, he was the greatest athlete I've ever seen in my life. Um, when he was, especially when he was like 26 years old. He was, he, listen, I went to wrestling school from October to July. Roma went to wrestling school for two and a half months. <laughs> he was a superhuman being. He, I've never seen anybody do what, what he did. And to this day, he still holds the highest drop kick in professional wrestling history. He drop kicked John Studd. His left foot was on his forehead, and his right foot was over his head. <laughs> wow! And Paul Roma it was the, the the greatest athlete I've ever seen in my life. Um, and of course, there's Dave Paradise, who was with the WWF briefly. Honestly, with him, he was six foot four, two hundred seventy five pounds, and he was a jobber. And you know, he was bigger than most of the guys that he was putting over. So it didn't really work out too well for him because he was huge. He was huge with no politics. <laughs> so, it, you know, it, it really it didn't work out for him. But I'm opening up a wrestling school um, with these other two guys. And, and we already have people interested, um, students lined up. I have one in particular person um, that I, I won't reveal what her position is going to be in, in professional wrestling, but she will take, she will take it by storm. Um, and, and her name is, is more fascinating and she will take the wrestling world by storm. Um, she's a, a, a very pretty woman. She's been in, in, she's, she's a professional actress, um, and, and with other talents and marketing skills and, uh, she's just a really, really talented woman, and and most importantly, a very kind-hearted woman, which will go a long way as far as being professional. Because of course, a real top-notch professional wrestler only handles themselves with dignity and a lot of respect and, and grace toward others. And she's just cut out for that. That's her personality. And um, you know, I, I can't wait to get her in. Um, because I really think she's good. she's going to make a huge mark on this, and I have a couple other students that that are involved. Of course, when you run a, a wrestling school, and I know that we're we're going to have some heat on us, but I have to say this: aside from uh, Laura Fastani, I, I do have to say that in order for me to pick up a phone and call Stanford, Connecticut, it would have to be one hell of a freak out. Outstanding, outstanding athlete in order for me uh, to call the office and say, would you take a look at this guy? And I know a lot of, a lot of students are going to be looking at me in the side eye, whether I'm going to do that or not. But you know what, guys, the truth is the truth. 
there are some people that are in this business that are just great for independent pro wrestling. And, and you know what? They make a career out of their, their, when I say career, they make their name in the independent circuit and they, and they get recognition in, in the independent circuit for God's sakes. You know what? The, the hall of fame induction started at six o'clock and the WWF guys didn't get start getting inducted until eight fifteen. They were all independent wrestlers. And you know, independent wrestling is the, is the, the grassroots of this business. And, and these guys do it because they love it because they can't quit their day jobs. So, you know, hats off to them because, you know, they're doing it because it's in their heart. And, and that's the heart of a wrestler. You get a guy like Bull Dread, man. You, you know, go on Facebook and read some of some of Dread stuff he puts on a, 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 being a wrestler. You'll sit there and ball your eyes out. Oh, yeah, yeah. You know, we know, uh, yeah, we're friends with Bull. Yeah, we know him. Well, oh yeah, you'll 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 ball your eyes out, you know. Ball, and again, another guy, another top notch guy that that carries himself with with grace and dignity, you know, just like Zombie. You know, I look at guys like Dread and like Zombie. You know what? They could have been there with me. Not not a problem. You know, I saw Zombie with his friend who inducted him at the Hall of Fame, and I looked at him and I said, "That's the real Mick Foley you're looking at right there." Yeah. Zombie, he he's the real Nick Foley. Oh yeah, you know he's what great. I mean. He he, yeah, he should have had that shot. He should have had that shot. You know what I mean. And um, you know, both Tread Zombie, I have utmost respect for these guys and their their dedication and their love love for the business. Um, so and and listen, back then when I ran a wrestling school. You know, when I knew they were ready, I just marched them into TV. Yeah. I marched them right into TV. You, you could go on YouTube and see these guys. I, I, I marched Paul Perez in there. Great kid. A great guy. Great guy to have on the road. Great guy to room with. Great guy to be in the car with. I yeah. mean, I, I marched them right in there. Another guy, Mark Thomas, you know, he did the independent circuit as the Condor. But when he was in the WWF, it was Mark Thomas. You can look these guys up, you know. Uh, you know, Russ, Russ Greenberg, um, w- was in the wrestling school. Uh, you know, all these guys, you know, they, they, um, they came to the wrestling school by bringing the TV. The, and like you said, these days you can't do that because there are no jobbers. Sure. There, 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 there's no, there, there are no jobbers. And, and, you know, that puts a lot of stress because everybody's on top, but you know what? Someone's got to do a job. Yep. Someone's got to do a job. <laughs> and you know what? Everybody's over. Everyone. Yeah, Everyone is over. And you got and you got to do a job. I swear, I you you know what? I, there are a lot of times probably in that dressing room where guys are looking around and going, Jesus, I would, you know, a guy that, that, that has been over for six months and all of a sudden come up to him and go, you got to do a job tonight. They're looking around for Mario Mancini and Jose Luis Rivera. Going, where are these guys? You know <laughs> That's right. I mean, you, you, you said it right there. I mean, that's exactly what we were talking about, too. I mean, me and Jonathan spoke earlier to where, you know, like we look at TV today and like every match is it's a it's a not like I mean, a big name, but I mean, they're all names against each other. And you don't have that, you know, that enhancement talent anymore, that jobber guy to where to get other people over. And you're taking these other guys to where, you know, they think they're going to probably be the next John Cena yet. Now all of a sudden they turn into the jobber and they you know they don't really get it 
And uh, it is missing in a big part today. And uh, I, I kind of want to rewind a little bit with you to where, you know, you said you were the first guy to ever wrestle The Undertaker and so on. Um, does that put a lot of pressure onto you to where they're saying, hey, we have this guy coming in. We really want to make him a big deal or something like that. Uh, you know, we're going to put him against you first. Uh, do they say anything like that to you? Or, I mean, it, it, what, what happens with that, you know? No, no. It's very laid back very matter of fact you kind of sitting there in Poughkeepsie or wherever we were when I did take her um, I'll give you an example Poughkeepsie was Bundy so I walk into the dressing room and I look up on the board and it says Bundy v Mancini so you know I walk up to Chris who became a really good friend of mine <laughs> I walk up to Chris I don't know him from Adam and he's sitting there with his Fruit of the Loom t-shirt on his jeans uh, you know a canvas pair of sneakers, and he's he's biting his thumbnail, you know. Mm-hmm. And I go, hey, I'm, I'm Mario Mancini. How are you? He's like, Chris, how are you? I go, you King Kong Bundy. He's like, yeah. He And I go, what, what's the matter? And he goes, well, I, I was here three years ago as a chopper. You know, I was Chris Cannon. I had long hair and a beard, a mustache, a long black suit and everything. And I'm like, and then I went away and I shaved my head and I got this gimmick. And I'm like, that's good for you, you know. I said, listen, um, now what's going through my mind, guys? This guy's going to kill me. He's going to kill me. This guy is going to take my life. So I sit next to him and I go, Chris, listen to me. When I'm in there with you, I want you to think of the 4th of July because all you're going to see is fireworks going off, brother. Because I'm going to sell like crazy for you. You understand? What I'm telling them is, don't kill me. I know what I'm doing. Please, just go with it. You know. <laughs> and you know, he was a little, a little, a little stiff. But you know, I did form what I said. What I do it for him. And if you watched it on, if you watched it on YouTube, you'd see that. I did what I said I'd do for him, you know, and, um, that, that's it. You know what I mean? It's just like the day with Taker, you know, I, I, I looked up on the board and said, Undertaker versus Mario Mancini. And I said, I looked at him and I said, who's that? Where is this guy? And they pointed over to him and they go, that's mean Mark Callis or something. I, I something from the NWA, WCW, or whatever it was called back then. Yeah. Florida Championship Wrestling, wherever it came from, you know? <laughs> so I walked up to him and I said, hey, 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 Mario Mancini, he goes, Mark. I go, hey, Mark, how you doing? What's your finish? And uh, he goes, um, the tombstone. I go, what's the tombstone? He goes, it's a reverse pile driver. I said, I took a lot of those from Morocco, not a problem. And um, I said, just do your thing out there, brother, okay? He said, no, no, Mario, listen to me. One thing. I said, what's that? I, he said, I, I, I need, I, I'm going to grab your hand and I need you to keep your elbow locked. Do not collapse your elbow or I'm in trouble. I go, okay, what are you going to do? He goes, I'm going to walk the top rope. I go, you're going to walk the top rope. You. <laughs> I go, what are you about, six, nine? <laughs> he goes, no, I'm, I'm going to. I'm going to walk the top rope. Go, listen, brother that elbow will be like uh, set in concrete. And he laughed. And he said, one more thing. I'm, I'm going to close line you backwards over the top rope. He goes, you've done that before, right? And you know what? Amazingly, in all the years I was there, I, I think by that time it was like six years, I never did that. <laughs> but I knew I could do it. 
the problem is, if you watch it on YouTube, I said to myself in the dressing room, in order for me to get this done, after he chokes me and walks away, I'm going to have to push the top rope down. And then I'll go over. So the problem is, is only if I tell you about it will you catch it. Not only did I push the top rope down, but I was paranoid that there was a chair behind me or something. So you'll actually see me glance behind me while I push the top rope down. <laughs> and then he clotheslines me. So, and, and it was over. There, were, there was no kind of cer- ceremonious kind of, this is the Undertaker's first match. Sure. There was nothing like that. It was just, you look up on the board, you, you, you know, other things could have been ceremonious, but they weren't. I yeah. mean, the time Strongbow came up to me and said, uh, me and CD, come here. Because at, get this, guys. Now, understand this. Get this. At one point, I became cocky. I became very arrogant. Yeah. And Strongbow's looking around the dressing room. He's going over this new finish with Butch Reed. And he's looking around the dressing room. He says, oh, man, come here. He said, what's up, Chief? Because I've been trying to perfect this finish with, with Butch. I can't perfect it. I go, what's the finish? He goes, it's a press over, over his head like Atlas, but instead of slamming him, he just drops them like a sack of potatoes behind him. The problem is from that height, you got to fall flat on your stomach. Like you fall flat on your face. <laughs> he goes, can you do that? I go, what do you think chief? And he grabbed me by the back of the hair and he said, don't, don't get cocky. And I, I think after me, they tried it with a couple more guys and they just abandoned the finish. Because nobody could do it. He goes, how are you going to do it? I go, you know what? I'm just going to point my my left shoulder ever so slightly, tilt it, the left side of my body. The appearance will be that I pancake, but I, there's, just, I'm just going to tweak it an inch so I don't wear, land squarely on my stomach. And it worked. <laughs> nice. But it won't work. Everybody, you know, they bend their knees. <laughs> they were just afraid to just lay out stiff, you know, and, um, you know, it, it was, it was what it was, you, you know, again, you get to be a professional and you just know what the, who you're working with and what their finish is. And, you know, you work with DiBiase enough times, you just walk out, you know, I worked with DiBiase so many times. He went up, he went up the vents and asked them to run a, run an angle. My, my knees were knocking. I'm like, God, God, please. And, and, and Ted goes, but people are going to think they're repeats. And he looks over and he goes, Mario, no offense. I go, no, Ted, I'm, I'm not offended. He goes, every TV, every single TV tape. And I'm working with Mancini, every single one. There's got to be a reason. Strongbow had to pull things out of his ass. He didn't know what to do anymore. At one point, listen, at one, I wish I could see this one on YouTube. At one point, this is what he had me doing. He had DiBiase holding the belt in front of my face, going, you'll never get this belt in a million years, Mancini. So I take both my hands and I, I slap it underneath him. It goes flying in the air and I start whacking him. And he starts selling the hell out of it, you know? And then I, I go to toss him in and he reverses it. And then, you know, I start my job. 
another time I worked with <laughs> Vince was standing there when we were discussing it. And Strongbow, Strongbow, you got to know this. Joe Scarpa, I love Joe Scarpa. Joe Scarpa was my mentor, my protector, and my second father for 28 years. Three months up until the day he died, we were still saying I love you to each other. He was very, very close bond. If it was up to Joe Scarpa, I would have been the heavyweight champion of the world if it was up to him. But he's standing there, and Vince is standing there, and, and you know, DiBiase's got this stack of money. You know? And he's like, you go to Mancini's face, you'll never earn this kind of money in your whole life. You'll never have this money in your... He goes, Mario, snatch that money out of his hand, go underneath the bottom rope, and just start running around the ring. He goes, when you start running around the ring, Mike, Virgil, Mike will call, catch you on the other side and give you a pop and then take that bump on the outside of the ring. And and this, this is the only time I was kind of snide with Vince. And Vince goes, when you take that bump, you whatever side you're going to fall on, make sure the money's in your hand toward the ring apron. <laughs> I said, no, Vince, I'm going to make sure it's near the steel ring post near the steel barricades where the fans can kneel, lean over and snatch it out of my hands. He goes, I'm just telling you. I go, I got it. <laughs> so, you know, uh, you know, were they, were they monumental? You, know, you look back now and they are, but when they were happening, if you two were sitting in the dressing room the night I did Baker, you know, you would look at each other and go, this you know, just another day at the office. This is just no big deal. But knowing his history and his career, you want to jump up and down and look at everybody and go, listen, this is incredible. This is this guy's first match. Well, nobody, 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 you know, nobody thought that way. Nobody knew what Mark was going to be or how big he was going to be or where it was going to go, you know? Yeah. So, you know, we, you kind of brushed on something that I wanted to kind of talk to you about, but you said that. You know, you tried to be professional all the time with with a few times that you said you maybe got cocky or arrogant or anything. But is there anybody that when you were in the business that really just rubbed you the wrong way? Was there anybody that, you know, you just couldn't stand or didn't want to work with? Yeah. Yeah. Um, two people. Only two people. That was Ed Leslie, um, who everybody knows is Bruce Beefcake, and uh, Rick Rude. Really? Yeah. Why? Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, I wasn't going to, I didn't want to force it, but. Why? 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 Rick Rude didn't thank me when he covered me. Never never thanked me when he covered me. You don't do that. Uh, I gave you my, I gave you my body. Yeah. I gave you my body. You don't do that. Every one of those guys, Valentine, Orton North, Bundy, every single, the undertaker, every single one of them. I never, I never, every never, single one of them. Never knew that. I never, I, I, I mean, from me and Jonathan's perspective, I mean, 
we're we're marks. We know the business, but we don't know like little things like that. That's very interesting because I mean, I, I honestly never knew that. I, I, I you know we don't know the little inner workings like that. And I mean to hear that, that's kind of interesting. Yeah. I mean, I, that's uh, to find it out, you know. You know, guys like Ordendorf, guys like Ordendorf from Cover and go, thank you, baby. Thank you, baby. And you know what, guys like Ordendorf? He'd say, thank you, baby, in the rain. Then he want to go back to the dressing room. He's waiting for you behind the blue curtain. So you're selling it back to the blue curtain. You will, you go through the blue curtain. There he is, hugging you. Thank you, baby. He goes to take a shower before he grabs his bag to leave for the night. He walks beelines right back over to you. Thank you again. Wow. So That's... he's thanking you, Bundy. Thank you, brother. Oh, he's getting a five count. Just a little head down. Thank you, brother. Thank me. Wow, that's interesting. I mean, I mean, like I said, we don't know those little things, and that's that's really interesting to find out about. And uh, hey, I mean, we find out a lot about like you know some people that guys work with, and you know they just either don't get along or whatnot. Um, like that. That's a it's a very interesting topic, and uh, to to get into to more on another time. But I mean, uh, I don't know about you, Jonathan. What do you think? That's that was pretty uh interesting. I mean, did you know anything about that or? No, not at all. I mean, once again, it's it's hard for us because we only watch it. We don't get to live it like you did, and and so it's it's always great to kind of peel the curtain back for us. But I mean, you you actually were there. Yeah, and you know what I would say to them while I was down there? I go, my pleasure, brother. You know what I mean? Yeah. My pleasure, brother. Yeah. You know, because I, I didn't feel a thing, and I was healthy. You even have the well. You even have the sheet while you're in the camel clutch. And he's grimacing while he's grimacing. You know, and you're you're submitting before you let it go. He goes, "Thank you, brother." <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? You got the sheet there. You know, thank you, brother. <laughs> you know, it, uh, you know, it, 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 it's just the way it was. Mm. That's what you do. You know, Brutus Beefcake. He was there on a ride. He was in the right place at the right time. Listen, yeah. my best friend in, uh, on the universe is not with us anymore. We became best friends in 1976 in the fifth grade. When I was on the road in the East Coast, I'd take him with me on the road. He was there the night I got my nose broken in, in, at the music theater in Rhode Island. He was drunk off of his ass. He said, uh, hey, Len, what's, what's wrong with your nose, man? Hey, when that guy punched you, the whole crowd was a hush. You know, it's like the crowd expects you to fake it. But when they see something like that, you're like, well, that wasn't fake, you know? Yeah. Um, if he didn't pass away and he became a wrestler, too, and he became Hulk Hogan, I would have been Brutus Beefcake. Wow. Because that's what that's what happened to Beefcake. Yeah. He was there on a ride. And Hogan used to yell at him all the time because he was out of control. Wow. Out of control. He was laughing right in my face one time and Hogan walked by and he said, Hey Eddie, I hope you're not I hope you're not laughing at Eminem. I hope you're not laughing at Eminem. Because the people you see on the way up, you see them on the way down. Yeah. You know uh, what I mean? So, I you, uh, yeah. you know, 
he tried to keep them under uh, uh, under wraps. You know what I mean? So, um, you know, like again, you're still you're supposed to be very charitable, very gracious. You're supposed to be a, a, the utmost professional. I don't care what anybody says. Yeah, I'll debate it until I'm in in the coffin. Professional wrestlers are professional athletes. And you carry yourself as such, just like I mentioned about the New England Pro Wrestling Hall of Fame mm-hmm. and Joe Bruin. Joe Bruin runs that thing. That's his. It belongs to him. He called me. He inducted me into his organization. Just like this interview, and just like anything else, if Joe Bruin called me up and said, Hey, listen, I got a kid in a wheelchair up here in Rhode Island. What are you doing on Saturday? I'd say, what time do you want me there? What time do you want me there? Because, you know what? I don't take this lightly whatsoever. You know, I took a lot of bumps in that ring. And you know what? I thank God for guys like Joe Bruin because they recognize that. They recognize week after week after week after week. And the guys that don't, this is what I say to them. I go, listen to me. I was on TV every week. When you were sitting on the floor in your feety pajamas, eating <laughs> your Captain Crunch, you were watching me. That's it. Okay. And, and you know, just to have the opportunity to be recognized, you know, just in plain English for a guy like Joe Bruin or anybody else to go, listen, man. You were a regular. You got the hell knocked out of you. Absolute daylight knocked out of you. You deserve this. Thank you. I really appreciate it, and I'm going to carry it. I'm going. I am. I am going to carry it with respect, and I'm going to represent. Like I said, I'm sure there's a lot of guys. I don't know. They might have their plaque on their bedroom wall. They they might have their plaque in in, in a closet or in a drawer. My plaque is hung at the law firm I work at. So every single client that walks in that door looks at that plaque. Every single one of them. Wow, that's great. So, yeah. Mario, I mean, uh, we, we talked a lot today, a lot of different things. I mean, we're definitely going to have you and would love to have you on a lot more shows with us. Uh, what what? If you could tell us briefly, I mean, you just basically said it a little bit, but uh, what are you up to these days? I mean, a little bit outside of pro wrestling. I mean, are, are you still involved? I, I know you got the school and all that stuff, but uh, anything outside of wrestling? Or Well, you know, um, I, I went to the master's school of law in Andover, Massachusetts, and uh, um, I took a little too many bombs. Uh, you know, but after the, the fifth attempt, they did test the bar too. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> there you go. <laughs> what are you, you going to do? And never, you know, never give up. And, um, you know, I've been with a law firm for 20 years, actually, come this April. And, um, you know, I, I work there and, and um, I intend to, to, to work there, you know, for, you know, until I, until I retire. And I, I'd like to get the wrestling school um, going with Roma in uh, paradise. And, um, you know, guys, we, we just literally, um, we just literally, I, I, you know what? And, and I love doing these interviews 
but I got to tell you, I don't even think we scratched the surface. Yeah. So if you uh, want me, if you want me, we definitely did not scratch the surface. So if you, yeah. <laughs> if you, you want me, we, you want me on again, uh, you know, I'd be, I just followed up with a show last night because, um, at the end of the, the interview, they had mentioned Pat Patterson and they said, you really don't want to go there with me. And they said, Oh wow, that's, that, that's a segue into another show. And they followed up on me with it last night. It, it was a good interview, but you know, it wasn't, it wasn't pretty because when I, whether I do these interviews on a podcast, um, or whether I do these interviews, um, in person, which I do locally for, um, the squared circle for center ring and for, uh, top rope. Um, I'm very candid and I'm very honest. Um, so they're eager to, to sit there and listen to see what's going to come out of my mouth because I don't, I don't kind of, I don't hold back, but, um, I'm not obviously not just here to, to throw out negatives about, about, uh, professional wrestling, although some of those negatives are, are, are the truth. But, um, listen, anytime you guys want to do this again, I, I, I'd, I'd be, uh, more than happy to, like I said, um, I am, um, but proudly a member of the New England Pro Wrestling Hall of Fame and, and, um, uh, I'm here, I'm here in New England and I intend to, to represent it with the utmost dignity and whoever wants to interview me, um, you know, I'm always available for that interview. Awesome, Mario. I mean, we would love to come to the opening of the school. We'd love to cover that. We'd love to have you on because this is definitely, I don't know about you, Jonathan, this is definitely just part one of Mario Mancini on another wrestling podcast because uh, we got a lot more questions to talk to you with, and I know we got a lot of other things to say with you. Uh, Maybe if I could leave you on this last question as kind of like a teaser for the next show, maybe give us like, like a 30 seconds or something Oh, briefly, uh, we, we talked briefly before the show. Um, this will be for part two, but uh, a- anything you, you want to talk about Steve Lombardi on the next show? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh. You want me to cover that in 30 seconds? Really? Really? Let me tell you something. Put Steve Lombardi, put Steve Lombardi in a wet paper bag. I promise you he won't wrestle his way out of it. I guarantee you he couldn't wrestle his way out of it. Okay. I was there on sheer talent and I tried to climb that ladder my way. Like a man, like a man. I tried to climb that ladder like a man. Okay. So that's the 30 seconds. You want to segue? Let me tell you something. There's certain things you just don't do to get a torn sweatshirt and a cigar. You don't, do that. Oh, then again, it, well, then again, it didn't shock me that he'd want the cigar. <laughs> you know, you know, being used to that. So, oh. <laughs> wow. What you want to have another show? Let's that, have another show. That's it. That, that's perfect. I mean, if you guys are going to tune in just on those comments alone, that's I, I'm looking forward to the Mario Mancini interview part two, and I, I can't wait. I don't know about you, Jonathan. Absolutely. I'm I'm enthralled right now. I'm learning more <laughs> than I've ever, maybe more than I ever needed to know. But uh, I can't <laughs> wait to have you back. Guys, thank you so much. It was a pleasure being on your show. I had fun. Thank you so much for for having me on, and um, thank you again for for recognizing uh, the the New England Pro Wrestling Hall of Fame and uh, my induction into it. It's a, it's a very proud moment in my life. I really appreciate it. 
Mario, thank you once again. It was an honor having you on, and we really appreciate your time with us, too. Thank you so much.